Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos. Game Source, the Lakers Fast Break, where we cover the latest news and trends in the NBA for you right there at Lakers Fast Break. And I've got a great interview with Rich Cohen. Yes, author Rich Cohen. He just had an interview with him. You can check it out on the Lakers Fast Break channels, wherever you get your podcast. He created an awesome book, and he wrote it strictly for the basketball fans out there. When the Game Was War, the NBA's Greatest Season. So go ahead and check that out today and get his book, wherever you get your books. Also as well, want to make sure everybody knows about, of course, not just Humanica Media, but, of course, the Happy Hoarder. Go ahead and check out everything that you need for your gift-giving guide. Yeah, yeah, Amazon Prime Days are coming this week. Yeah, yeah, I know. We are going to buy less stuff. But while you're in a shopping mood, please go ahead and check out the happyhoardercollectibles.com. Plus also as well, check us out, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And of course, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you'll get the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. Our good friends, of course, Melinda and also her husband, Robbie Ross. Go ahead and check them out today, Vampires and Vitae. And of course, Wild Beyond the Witchlight with Wizards and Wine, wherever you get your podcasts as well. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is the jack-o'-lantern king and getting into the spirit, the Halloween spirit indeed. Pardon the pun with the Halloween chain, but we'll go ahead and talk about Halloween costumes next week. It is my good friend, Indeed. you got to go ahead and catch him today at thehappyhoardercollectibles.com. He just finished another successful weekend of selling. Awesome. Pop culture cosmos, pop culture merchandise. It is Josh the Great and Josh Peterson. Great to have you here, my friend. Looking forward to another great conversation in pop culture. Hey, you know what's funny? I was thinking about this the other day, how many times that you and I have either interviewed people or been to events where we talked to people who all promised swore up and down that they had the next big thing. And here we are years later and hardly any of those big things even are like spoke about anymore. You and I know, I mean, you've gone to several shows, trade shows yourself. We went to E3 together uh, and we've also gone to CS. I've gone to CS for what, 25 plus straight years. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. about ready this week to go ahead and try and get there in there again. And you're right. You, you go there and you see people that are promising and swearing this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's so funny when somebody fi- makes or finally does create something that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Everybody else has their own version and jumps on it. I remember the Android systems. Remember the Android game systems that about eh, yeah. 10 years ago or so that, yes, yeah. when everybody was into that for like a 10 second type deal, everybody at CES had an Android game player. And it was so funny because it was just companies that you didn't think would make Android, you know, a game player. So they're like camera companies, other companies outside of general gaming companies were trying to make and get into the, their two cents as well. It was just, it's like you said, it's just millions of promises and very few deliver. Yeah, I imagine it's hard to stay on top of the market in anything, you know, related to phones or games. But I specific, so I remember two things specifically. I remember the, uh, remember it was a 
phone lenses, phone camera lenses. You know, we talked to we've talked to a few people about that. They sent us one to test and they're, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then they're like, this is going to be the next big thing. And then it just vanished like overnight. You just didn't hear about that anymore. And then my favorite is Mixer. I remember Mixer. You and I, or you did the interviews. I remember yes. I, was, I was a cameraman, but that guy was sitting there like promising all these things that Mixer does. And we're going to beat Twitch. Yeah. And that's what became of that. Exactly. <laughs> right. And that was like Microsoft's venture into it, if I remember correctly. That was. I remember they were doing the broadcast for, the, I think the nail in the coffin was their E3 broadcast that one year. They're like, we're mm -hmm. using Mixer. And there was like 15 seconds of lag and it kept crashing and it was a thing. But I will tell you what, though, there is still a lot of good stuff that's coming out there. In fact, this week, I want to go ahead and congratulate our good friend, Mr. Rob McCallum. Rob McCallum has directed an, an award-winning documentary on mr dress up uh, the canadian hero of similar to what mr rogers is to people here in the states kids of all ages are, are familiar with mr dress up in the canadian television sphere and my gosh they you know he has created a absolutely fantastic documentary that's gotten acclaim left and right he's got sold out shows a uh, sold out performances sold out screenings that he's got ahead but still even on top of that, a great run ahead on Amazon starting on the 10th. So if you've got you know, Amazon Prime, after you finish your shopping, because Prime Days are coming, and if that's the case, you can go ahead and check out on your Amazon Prime account, Mr. Dressup right there for you. Yeah, seriously, really stoked. I was, I've been following it as it's been happening, seeing the pictures all over the place. I saw the interviews about it and I could not be happier for our, our good friend, Rob. So congrats, buddy. That's so funny because I played the other week uh, the a replay of the original interview that he had with me years ago. And he was just like half the conversation about some of his other stuff and half the conversation was on that. And it's like, oh, seems like it's going to be an interesting doc. And like all these years later to such worldwide acclaim. And I'm just so happy for him. But it is, again... Go ahead and check it out on Amazon Prime this week. It is Mr. Dress Up, The Magic of Make-Believe. Would really, really hope you go ahead and get a chance to do so. Nothing but praise for it. He's got front page uh, acclaim on newspapers across Canada. Gotten awards already at film festivals. So go ahead and check it out this week on Amazon Prime. But we've got a great show lined up for you. We've got a lot of things to talk about. A lot of video games on the way, my friend. I saved a lot of the video game talk for you this week. I usually share between you and Melinda, but I know a lot of it was Xbox-centric. So, you know, since Melinda is still allergic to Xbox in many ways, I had to go ahead and front it to you. But obviously, the first thing we want to go ahead and, and talk about, and I will mention uh, Top Gear here. We'll go ahead and integrate those two. But with the cancellation of Top Gear, a lot of people are upset about how are they going to get their driving fix. Well, they can still do so because this week on the Xbox Series S and X is Forza Motorsport. Your thoughts, my friend, on both the cancellation and ending of Top Gear on UK, because I guess the BBC, after 40 years, kind of canceled it out. And then also as well, Forza Motorsport coming to the Xbox. 
So with Top Gear, it's, I don't know, they've been trying so hard to keep that show relevant for so long. You know, they even, they've had, I want to say probably eight to 12 different hosts since Jeremy Clarkson and company left. And some of, you know, some of the episodes were okay. They weren't, they weren't amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but they just, the hosts just didn't have the chemistry. But a lot of people think it's because, you know, ratings got so bad. And the ratings did go down for Top Gear. But I think, from what I understand of the story, it, um, one of the it's hosts... It's still not canceled yet, according to... There, some reports had it canceled. You know, there were other sites purporting uh, it. Entertainment sites reporting it's canceled. Now Yahoo is saying that it may not be canceled yet. But it, th- things are good, man. And I know there was an accident also as well that kind of... Yeah, uh, yeah that's what I was going to say. One things. Of- yeah, he the one of the hosts like got in a car accident. It was just Freddie Flintoff. Yeah, and it mangled his face, and the, it it was becoming the things that they were doing that were the were becoming a liability. But those were the very things that made the show popular. That's what people um, kept going back to the show to watch. And so you got to kind of weigh like, is it worth the cost? Because Top Gear is BBC's most expensive show. But also, like, think about the health insurance that they probably have to pay for, and the uh, the the employee coverage that probably goes all the, you know all the stuff behind the scene that goes into keeping the the host safe and all that. So, what is the cost? Um, is the cost worth it? Exactly, but it's it's a driving show, so there is always that risk in a driving show such as Top Gear, but. We'll yeah. see because, it, you know, it, whether you think it's canceled, whether it says it's been canceled or not been canceled, it is time. It, it's very tenuous right now for the future going forward for Top Gear UK. Hey, uh, official... but the Grand Tour is still going, so we can at least be grateful for that. Uh, that's true. That's true indeed. Devotion says they should revive the Twisted Metal franchise. It got uh, pretty good reviews uh, when it appeared as a live action adaptation on Peacock. Uh, but I don't hear anything emanating from that as far as on the Sony side, creating a new video game series or, you know, probably refreshing it. I'm assuming they'll go back to it at some point. Uh, but with the rumors of what's happened with Naughty Dog and the restructuring and the layoffs there in regards to a possible uh, cancellation of the in-development uh, Last of Us uh, multiplayer-centric game that, that as far as the branch off from the regular games, and the possibility that they're only just going to do a Last of Us 2 remastered game. It's kind of weird what's going on with Sony right now. but And then also Jim Ryan leaving. So who knows, Devotion, that may or may not happen down the road. Yeah, also, they. I have a feeling... I, I, there were there were rumors um, a couple years ago that they were working on a new Twisted Metal game, but it was going to be a like a Battle Royale-style Twisted mm-hmm. Metal. And I don't think that that went over very well with people. Yeah, because the Battle Royale style kind of, you know, outside of Fortnite, anything else competing in that genre has kind of. Yeah, but I mean, I definitely would be down for a Twisted Metal because Twisted Metal came out, you know, before the era of like decent multiplayer games. I know Twisted Metal Black had a weird like online system that they were experimenting with. But Mm -hmm. yeah, if they could remake the game and make it so you can use like the modern, even turn into some kind of like esports type arena, I think that would be a really cool opportunity for them. Speaking of Fortnite, yes, I did hear about the Epic Games layoffs too. Uh, I know it's something that again, it was something that Josh and I had talked about for years is like how long can Fortnite sustain at such a high higher level a high level of of just brilliance as far as being able to just rake in so much dough and rake in so much money uh, 
Blue Magic has got it right there. Thank you, Blue. 830 employees affected almost 20% of the staff at Epic Games. But Fortnite, I think, again, you they it, Epic Games is basically outside of, of course, the Unreal Engine that they sell off to to all the developers and publishers out there. The other way that they make money is through Fortnite. They don't have a list of, of games anymore that they, you know, that they have concurrently running that they make a, a you know money off of. It was just selling off the Unreal Engine Five, and also Fortnite for all intents and purposes. And Fortnite was so huge for them. But you and I both talked about. When is that going to start seeing a slide? And I think we're seeing it now. Getting to that point. Yeah. Isn't um, Rocket League is epic too, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to go check. Maybe they bought it, but I don't think it originally was Rocket League. But I'm going to go check. Uh, it was epic. But let me go ahead and check right now for you on that. But yeah, just when if you can tell me your thoughts, though, on Forza Motorsport, because it's this more simulation of the two xbox centric uh xbox created uh driving games because we all know forza horizon 5 and that did was so well and forza horizon series more fun more arcade based whereas this is more simulation mode tell us your thoughts about getting into it as it heads out to xboxes this week it's so it's been a while since we've had a like a genuine forza motorsport experience and, and by the way it's psionics that makes rocket league Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I always, uh, when we do esports, you know, when, I, when I'm coaching esports, we have to use the Epic. You're only allowed to use the Epic game launcher to sign in for the esports okay. or Rocket League. So that's why, where my brain was at there. You know, Forza Motorsports, honestly, it, it is the, and there's probably a lot of people that will disagree with me, especially if they're in the Sony band camp, but it is the perfect racing simulator. You know, it's, you don't, they don't try to be, anything more than that you know and that's the that was the problem with the latest gran turismo game to come out was they were trying to be so many different things when all people really wanted from it was like a good racing simulator gran turismo always has to be online where forza is a game you can play without being tied to the internet though you know who's to say how much longer that style gameplay will last but anyways they have contracts with a lot of you know all the car companies and a lot of the big racetracks around the world and you know you could tweak everything in that game for your car to down to like weather settings and you know the the temperature outside like it i don't know that like you, looking at this game what it has to offer i cannot think of anything else i would want from a racing game experience and to add on to that the, this new forza is supposed to be you know have like 60 plus hours of gameplay on it so it's not it is, uh, I don't know, if you're into racing games, it doesn't really seem like you could go wrong playing Forza. And I know for the, it's been getting like eights and nines across the board. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited about it. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And you know, as a racing game, the racing games always look the best on console. The console, if you ever want to go ahead and showcase the power of consoles, you always showcase a racing game 
because for some, you know, just the detail and, and things that in nature, as far as creating or, or seeing or playing a, a racing video game, just accentuates everything as far as the power of what's created underneath. You know, that goes back even before, which is not the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series S and X. That goes back to, mm-hmm. you know, even when the, around the original PlayStation, like you said, with the original Gran Turismo that came out, and even before that with the N64, Dreamcast, and beyond. So it just, it seems like this is just taking it a step further as far as the look and the design. It is stunningly beautiful. It is probably, at this point in time, the best looking game uh, out on the market, uh, just from graphics. But that's almost unfair because, again, you know, when you're looking at nothing but shiny hoods and, you know, (laughs) or, or, you know, beautiful detailed cars, it's almost unfair that that's the case. But the thing that I want before we hit the break, my friend, and I want to ask you is your thoughts, though, on, people finding it approachable because yes eights and nines great uh, scores that's not withstanding when it comes to fours at this point in time is the fact that it's a simulation and it's more race-based it's more is it more approachable because everybody seems to go ahead and forza horizon has now taken over the more popular side or is the more popular of the two at this point in time than the original forza motorsport because forza motorsport was the actual original Forza game, but Horizon because of its, uh, you know, I guess just way it's so inviting. It's so uh, it's more fun based. It's more arcade based. It's more party based. It just seems like it's more approachable to the average consumer and the average game player. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And Forza Horizon is the first racing game to experiment with an open world setting for a racing game. Nobody had ever done that before. And Forza Horizon came in and they did, you know, it was the first few entries were, you know, it had some kinks to work out. But yeah, Forza Horizon 5, like I could honestly say like that's the it's it's the perfect game. And, you know, which is which is obvious by the fact that it, it, you know, got nines and tens from all the uh, aggregate sites. But, you know, looking at Forza, I think Forza does a great job, even the, the motorsport version, like Forza does a great job of making racing accessible where playstation like they don't the sorry not playstation gran turismo they gran turismo is in it is more of an advanced driving simulator same thing with like the the f1 games and the iRace and all that they people go to those games or they make those games expecting the people who play them to already be good at racing games forza does a good job of if you are not familiar with racing games you know they do a good job of walking you through how to play it, how the tracks work, how the car customizations work, even, you know, with their automated braking line, you, they have all these driving assists that you, you, you know, you turn off one at a time as you learn how to play the game. And that's something that's you, or sorry, that's something that I think personally makes it more of an accessible game than some of the other racing titles out there. That's so interesting, though, because I saw a report on NASCAR.com this week that they officially announced that they're in league with iRacing. Uh, you know, they've, of course, uh, licensed their stuff for, for the PC, and, and they're, you know, iRacing is such a huge part of the racing computer scene that's out there because of, of you know, they've got the, you know, really high-end cars, really high-end racing, very competitive. Uh, it mm-hmm. is very costly. Because it's not a cheap a cheap uh, venture to get into because you have to you know literally spend a lot of money hundreds and hundreds of dollars in order to get at a, to a very top level with all the different things you have to go ahead and purchase cars tracks parts etc cetera, etc cetera. 
now they talked about iRacing finally getting into the consoles uh, market, and I'm interested to see if that's going to put a dent into Forza's marketplace. Yeah, I mean, it will. It'll be interesting to see, especially since you know, like you said, you have it's so expensive to get into iRacing. But the, the, is this also with NASCAR joining iRacing? Is this also going to add another uh, another mark to our failed ventures with uh our, our good friend ren vickers over at nascar heat did yeah, is that game so. did that game meet its demise then i'm assuming I, i'm pretty much uh, say that is probably has uh but iRacing is only best when you not just can do uh of course nascar but when you can do indycar when you can do formula one when you yeah. can do st- everything as far as because the the i racing is a league I- that you can create and, and just be competitive in and just i mean even the the lower class of cars that you can go ahead and drive in class a class b you know just the different styles of cars and leagues that you can go ahead that they have licensed over the course of years and i'm hoping that they will bring all of that to a console format because if it's just another nascar game my friend I think that's also going to fall flat as well. Yeah, I guess that's that's the uh, that's the trick, right? Like, especially if you're bringing something that is so advanced to consoles, what what kind of peripherals are you going to need? Like, are they going to simplify it? And if they're going to simplify it, why even bother playing it? You know, it's one of those things where people go to it because it does allow you the opportunity to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do just on a regular driving simulator. Exactly. This is, I mean, that's some high end stuff as far as the amount of money that you spend, but you know, people put, you know, as far as everything from VR to actual physical uh, canopies that they put inside their, their offices to go ahead and support that with full driving wheels and sticks mm-hmm. and, and, and pedals and the whole nine yards, you know, people spend hundreds of hundreds of dollars on this uh, iRacing experience. So it'd be interesting to see what they incorporate for the console experience or what they don't. So looking forward to that. But what are your thoughts out there on Forza Motorsport, which comes out this week for the Xbox? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we hit the half hour break, I wanted to go ahead and ask you real quick. uh, I don't want to see if I think I'll wait for after the break to get into your favorite gaming subject, Assassin's Creed Mirage. But I wanted to hear your thoughts. You and I have, Seen it all when it comes to a game and microtransactions, but EA Sports, they lost the FIFA license, my friend, but my God, they're back. They are so brazen, like uh, like the 2K experience is. They're back with EA Sports FC, uh, you know, licensing whatever they can outside the FIFA license as far as uh, in the soccer slash football world, but my friend, it's a $70 game, and they're talking about not only do, you know the usual microtransactions on top of it, but there's a $30 loot box, which you can get, which I've been told and actually seen, that's paid to win. That, to me, is extremely unfair in the fact that you can actually spend money on something that you will not guarantee you, but will go ahead and at least allow you to go ahead and be way more competitive than against uh you know somebody else you might be be competing against with so your thoughts my friend on aea sports fc up to its old tricks despite not having the fifa license so when ea said that they were going to still make a soccer game outside of the fifa license and it was going to be a fictitious soccer league 
did we really expect them not to riddle this game with microtransactions and pay to win scams and whatever else they'll pro they probably will make you pay like i'm surprised yeah, I that know, yeah I should, why, well, I should not give them a break i mean <laughs> with star wars jedi survivor you know everything was going to go great with that but then they came out and it was like a buggy launch especially on pc mm -hmm. and yeah it's ea i it wouldn't surprise me if they came out with you know a, a game or whatever where you had to pay five dollars to even access like the start menu that lets you pick like the difficulties and all that if you want to change it to easy that'll be 9.95 please <laughs> that's that's soon that's now if they haven't gotten the idea you just gave it to them my friend oh no it's Thanks my fault a lot. Thanks. I'm, a, I'm, I'm copyright team 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 that's how you copyright there you go uh, but I will say, though, it scares me, though, with the way that they're going to go ahead and treat Mass Effect when that finally comes out as far as the reboot of that series. So we'll see what happens there, my friend. But when it comes to EA Sports FC not having the FIFA license, I don't know. It, it, I don't think it will have the same effect. I, I totally told you the stories, my friend, before on this show, exactly when I used to run game stores in here in Las Vegas. And I used to prioritize uh the fifa games because i saw at that point in time it was uh, smaller but it was growing and there was a large contingent that wanted to go ahead and really get into it and back in 2007 2008 they were really just starting the drive towards making it one of the world's most popular games at that point in time so you could see where it was going and then obviously the last decade plus we saw fifa dominate the charts uh, like very few other games have EA sports FC is EA sports still trying to reach and hang on to something that's still there. And we still have yet to see what FIFA has, has, has in store for us. And, and remember there was still another game series from Konami PS soccer that I don't know where they've, I don't know what happened to them. We talked about how they went and they changed their whole moniker, changed the old name, changed the whole style of gameplay. And, it didn't work out well, so let's say that let's just leave it at that. But with FIFA still developing their own game that's still yet to come out, what are your thoughts on EA Sports still trying to get a hold of that market? I don't know. I just I don't I don't see it happening. Like FIFA is a big name brand, and I don't soccer people who like soccer games they're they're gonna go after the FIFA brand. Like I personally like I wouldn't want to play in a um you know a fictitious soccer league especially if i'm gonna have to like pay extra money i feel like fifa is gonna they'll probably have microtransactions but it'll be a lot more fair are you sure about that uh possibly hey whatever happened remember the winning 11 soccer franchise like that i remember playing those on playstation 2 those were fun like i you know that was back when sports weren't licensed to one company that's what we need to come back like that's we need exactly 100 i was just saying that uh the other day and you know like back when when you used to have like for instance nba nba games back in the day 2k ea microsoft sony they all around the same time had their own produced nba games because nba licensed it to all of them same thing with nfl remember the old battle between madden and the NFL 2K games, and still people still to this day swear that NFL 2K5 is the best football game ever. I, I agree with you. And it should just go back to, to a, a universe where everybody can make a video game on it. That's what we need. It, it'll, it'll stop situations like this. It'll stop people from, you know, stop these developers from basically robbing people. 
and then it will give a fair ch- it creates a a market that's a lot more fair and yes you're right nba inside drive on the playstation do you remember those those games like yep. those were amazing loved them mm-hmm. i'm telling you my friend it's we got to go back to that i agree with you 100 percent but it's something right now unfortunately we just have very few options for soccer slash football games and unfortunately ea sports fc has come out and really not made a lot of people happy with the amount of microtransactions and also as well the 30 dollars loot box on top of the 70 dollars game you already have to buy so a lot of people are not thrilled with the options that ea has uh, implemented into its latest soccer slash football game so we'll see what happens but We'd love to hear your thoughts on EA Sports FC. Are you okay with this new envisionment of what's going on with with soccer and football for Electronic Arts and the their uh, I guess after the departure of them and also as well with FIFA while FIFA's developing its own game. Your thoughts on this? Are you okay with what's going on with EA Sports FC, or are you like a lot of people out there are angry? Angry, angry, angry at the pay-to-win options now available on EA Sports FC. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Oh, here you are. Well, that was pretty good timing. You're here and we're here. He was just seminal to so many people. Authentic and kind. Teach you something and make you feel good. Something very soothing, something very calming. Fundamental in developing me into the human being that I am today. You ask anybody in Canada, they know who he is. It's hard to imagine anyone having had a bigger influence on my life. It's the award-winning documentary, Mr. Makeup, The Magic of Make-Believe, available now on Amazon Prime Video. Well, my friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glasser along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. Please go ahead and check out all the awesome stuff that he has got for sale for you right now, and also the stuff that you can pre-order at happyhoardercollectibles.com, including My Hero Academia, Funko Pops. Oh, I see a few right there for you. And then also as well, Dragon Ball Superhero Goku. Yeah, it's also available for pre-order. Plus, there's a ton of stuff you could buy, including all oh, that Balrog looks good. The Funko Pop Balrog, my friend, looks good with Lord of the Rings stuff action going on. Go ahead and check it out today at happyhoardercollectibles.com. But this week in the box office, a quiet week. Uh, I did talk about it with Melinda at length about The Exorcist Believer. And it's not the fact that it got horrible reviews. It's not the fact that it actually underperformed the box office, only getting $27 million domestically and about $50 million worldwide. That's not the big part of it. The big part of it was what was mentioned was on that show, we were talking about more about how Universal, to get the rights to the Exorcist franchise, spent $400 million on this, my friend. $400 million on the Exorcist franchise, and it already looks like it's going to be a poor investment indeed. Your thoughts, my friend, on this when you see the results from this weekend at the box office and realize Universal probably just ditched a whole lot of uh, bad money. Yeah, they need to really exercise that franchise out of their uh, their repertoire. Oh, 
Thank you. Thank you. No. Okay. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what made them think that this was going to be a good idea. Cause then it, they know why they, the conjuring, they saw a universe that they could create uh, and they have as many like what, cause we were talking about on the, on the Friday show, what there's nine, eight, nine or 10 conjuring movies. Now that are oh, out. Yeah. There's a ton of them, but yeah, I mean, they were this, looking though. to do the same thing. Yeah. But look at every time a horror movie, like from the seventies or eighties does, does well and becomes a cult classic. They, try to add on to it at different periods they'll wait like five to ten years you know exorcist 2 there's poltergeist 2 there's a poltergeist remake a friday the 13th remake none of those films even got a quarter of the box office returns or any type of return as the first one so like i don't know what made them think that hey let's go back and let's revisit this franchise it was such a a cult classic film back in the day and let's see if we could do it better because no they can't do it better and they're foolish to think that well this reminds me a lot of their last major investment that i heard them getting themselves into and if you remember you know when marvel cinematic universe mcu everybody said we got to do our own universe remember universal when they said they wanted to create their own monster verse and it started and ended with the mummy See, I was actually really bummed about that because that actually sounded really cool to me. Mm-hmm. And then the mummy came out, and it was, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was like when you're expecting like a cone of vanilla ice cream, but instead someone filled it with butter. <laughs> you melted butter at that, yes. Yeah, uh, it was not what you expect. Yeah, I remember seeing it in the theaters and thinking myself, what did I get myself into? This is some bad stuff, and it just really was not good at all. And yeah, just led to the instant uh, deletion of the whole MonsterVerse concept. And it looks like, I don't know if this will they'll do the same thing again. I think they'll try and hit you up again with something in the Exorcist realm. But it already looks like uh, Universe is going to take a big, huge bath on the Exorcist. Well, okay, so in, you were talking about The Conjuring and, you know, the Insidious franchise. You know why those movies did so well? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't try to build on an existing franchise. They started their own. That's correct. And, Absolutely. It, and they kept the prices low to make mm-hmm. them to start off with. Kept the budgets low. And look where it got them now. They didn't say, like, oh, hey, let's go and take... um. Uh, what, what's it called they live let's take they live and let's make a whole cinematic universe around it because that's just not going to work they I took a new like they live though no no i mean they live with a great movie but like they took a, a they you know they took the concepts the inspirations from these movies that they that they like and they created something new with it you know instead of trying to add you know the poltergeist to friday the 13th 34 or whatever it is they just they they made something new and it resonated well with a modern audience that's true uh, and of course we've seen the success from the conjuring and spin-offs the nun too uh, just came out recently and that came out and i'm sure that made them a tidy little dollar but yeah when you're see- when you're spending the kind of money on trying to buy your way into your own universe Obviously, we've seen uh, the results from that, and it's not going to work out well for Universal when it comes to the exorcist and the exorcist believer. But my friend, I think this was something where it was doomed to fail in the first place because you got to remember the exorcist believer moved back a week because next week the box office is going to be dominated by Swifties, my friend, T-Swift, next week. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot they're showing her uh, era tours in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's already earned $100 million in pre-sales. Speaking of pre-sales, not only it, should they pre-order your stuff on Happy Hoarder Collectibles, but they've been pre-ordering a whole bunch of tickets for the Taylor Swift movie. So definitely looking forward to seeing how much money that makes this coming weekend. It's already guaranteed over $100 million domestically. So definitely looking forward to seeing what that will do over the next it's got a limited run i think of about three weeks i think uh so we'll see what happens there but what are your thoughts out there on the disappointing effort and the lack of uh, foresight in investing in in the exorcist go ahead and let us know your thoughts on exorcist believer do you think it's worth believing that universal can still make a profit off this series please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com But my friend, speaking of something that is good and that is back and that is on Disney Plus, it is Loki season two. First episode dropped. Got a chance to see it before I went on the Friday show. Thought it was okay for what it was. It it was very, because it deals with time travel a lot, it was very explanatory. And sometimes when you do a lot of that, it can get over people's heads. And I was saying to Melinda how I think even the actors themselves had a hard time fully investing into it because there's so much you're trying to explain in regards to the different time travel sequences and the branching off of time and you know what they need to do to go ahead and try and fix things and you know, what they need to do during the course of that episode. So it got a little bit almost like a, a Star Trek episode where you're talking about way too much about what's going on on the Enterprise mechanically. So it just seemed like it was just so mechanical in this, in this conversations. But what are your thoughts about you getting back into Loki season two? Again, the, the, the stuff where, where they're going after Sylvie, they're obviously uh, he who remains. Those are the intriguing parts because they start dealing with stuff that's yet to come in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But your thoughts, my friend, on Loki season two. So I I actually did not get a chance to finish the first one. I think I got like six episodes in. I keep meaning to go back to watch it. I I I I like it. I mean, it's a, I think it's a, it's it's a one of the more well put together shows that Marvel has put out on Disney or that Disney's put out in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Loki season two. Um, from what I understand is there I've read a lot of reviews about it and they're trying so hard to top, you know, the, what made the elements that made the first season so great. And some of them aren't quite hitting the mark. Yes. But, you know, you're talking about time travel. You know, they had the same problem with the Flash television show. They're talking about time travel and it's really hard to take a concept like that and simplify it. I know like writers like to keep to that concept, especially with TV, like, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And they they it's it's impossible to do that when you're talking about time travel so and and i I even think to myself like what if they just like don't talk about what they just do it and hope the audience catches on that way but there is no such thing as a simple time travel story no no um it's just funny because uh what popped up on my youtube uh algorithm the other day was time cop you know with jean-claude van damme and, and it's funny because they didn't really try to explain too much from it. They just had bad guy keeps jumping back in time to go ahead and do a lot of bad stuff. And Jean-Claude Van Damme goes back in time to save the day. And yes, that's uh, pretty much it. 
when you get too much into explanations on timelines and branching out and things that you have to do to repair or save the timeline, it gets too talky and it gets something yeah. where it just detracts the a large a large part of the audience that wants just wants to see just just fun action and and you know humor and it just takes away from that when you have to do so much explaining explaining because the backstory it, yep yep yeah and it's it's not even a backstory it's just explaining it's not it's just explaining about what's going on as far as from the events of which what, what happened at the end of season one which you haven't seen yet the season two ramifications that just led to a whole lot of explaining. Now I'm hoping that we were just set up with all this in episode one, so that episode two, three, four, and beyond will move much cleaner and move much more fluidly. And I have no problems with that. That's the case. It's just that you need to buy in viewers to come back after what a year and a half uh, mm -hmm. gone by. You know, you need to buy them back in on why you need to go ahead and check out Loki and. Maybe you want to do it with a little bit less talking, a little bit more action. Yeah, and now that you know we are fighting this, we're in a state of superhero fatigue. Like it just mm -hmm. doesn't. Maybe that was not the best way to open up the episode. Maybe it's just uh the the best way to do it would have just been to have like action taking place, and then as the season went on, kind of explain the whole time paradox stuff. Well, there's been more misses than hits by the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the superhero genre in in reality and detail uh in the past 18 months so we've seen a lot of hits and misses there but more misses than hits i know that uh <laughs> martin scorsese is somewhere just laughing and just enjoying this and as far as the the actual problem of of what's going on with with the superhero genre and that it's kind of not being able to find that that continuous hit uh, time in and time out which i'm sure he's glad with and i'm sure you know i heard jessica lang said she's she's uh thinking about going into retirement simply you know at great actress that she is and part of the reasons because she never wants to be part of those superhero genres dominating the universe well right now as i get into your sec uh, question just sec problem child right now the the whole concept of of superhero movies even with the marvels and aquaman coming out I don't have the most confidence in either of those two being a hit 100% because of what's gone on the past 18 months with the superhero genre. Yeah. Yeah. And you add into that, the, you know, the actor strike and all that, like there is uh, you know, that definitely didn't help things, but yeah, it's, I don't know, man, like we're going into this weird time where the, the, tried and true superhero movie formula is just not working the way it used to and i don't know if that's because people are craving more substance to their films or they're just getting worn out of the same things over and over again but something's something's gonna have to change something's got to give or else all these like plans that marvel has plans that dc has are they're going to fall flat Absolutely. And that's something that uh, you and I took note about quite a bit of ways uh, from now. I mean, we, we, we actually remember the time where we were talking about, uh, you know, it was leading in this direction for both Marvel and DC. So they, they're both seeing some growing pains and some struggling signs. Uh, uh, I will say, though, that there's some great questions before we head to the break. Uh, Devotion says, you guys anticipate more layoffs in the game media industry? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because of the, uh, the the economy the way it is right now and the fact is there there are games that are out there that have it's such a a 
very competitive marketplace. There's games that have flourished and games that have not done as well, uh, even despite you know some of the the you know great reviews that we've seen. Going to be touch and go. I think Alan Wake Two, which is something you are really eyeing on, that's got to do well. But is it going to be large enough to go beyond a niche audience? Because if that doesn't, then you could see a layoff there with Remedy Studios as well. Yeah, it's funny too because it really is. A, it's a niche game with a niche audience, and I don't. I don't. I don't. It was. It was smart of of them to re-release and remaster the original Alan Wake. So we'll see if that makes any progress there. It's a big risk because it's not a big, well-known franchise. What are your thoughts out there on everything that's going on with Loki? Please let us know your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before I let you go ahead and take the floor talking about what's going on at Happy Hoarder Collectibles after you just got off a fantastic selling weekend, as I saw on your social media, Want to go ahead and talk about your favorite game series. Well, at least you've said this in the past. I don't know if it still is, but Assassin's Creed Mirage. Assassin's Creed Mirage came out uh, this past weekend. Your thoughts, my friend? Getting pretty solid reviews out there still. It is no longer the 100 million hour quest that it was with previous iterations, which for your OCD might be a lot better. Your thoughts, my friend, on this right. return to form for Assassin's Creed? Yeah, I was I was chatting about that with um, you know Brian and Eric from the Super BS, and we were talking about how it's unfortunate that this game is not like a standalone experience. It's reliant on characters from the previous iteration, which is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And in order to like understand where the character's at, you have to have also played like the expansion. So. I, I want to play it, but I want to play the expansions first so I can get filled in on that story. The gameplay looks really cool. Like, I love the idea of going back to the Middle East, kind of stomping around uh, where Altair used to be and get having that, like, short Assassin's that smaller Assassin's Creed experience that we used to have. I, for one, though, really loved the RPG elements of the you know, the last games, obviously I don't like having the massive maps in the 160 hour game, but you know, I like being able to upgrade my character stats and things like that. So uh, I'm just hoping that some of that stuff is at least left in the game, or maybe when the Assassin's Creed game that takes place in Japan comes out, that they'll be able to put some of that stuff back in there. But Mirage is, I don't know, it it's, looks cool it's that doesn't it's not anything that's not been done before by them so i'm you know part of me is wondering if it started out as like an expansion and they were like oh it's too big to be an expansion let's just make it a game so i will have more to say when i actually get to play it but uh yeah it looks cool so far 
you have been a big supporter of the Assassin's Creed franchise when they were doing the Call of Duty thing and do, coming out with one every mm-hmm. single year. After a while, you had championed you know, them slowing down the series. And they heard you. They heard you and they decided to go ahead and, you know what, we're going to go ahead and bring one not out every year. But they still have big plans for the series as being their marquee franchise going forward. Yeah, they obviously, that episode we did on the Assassin's Creed games that all of our listeners were in, um, uh, where is it, Montreal or wherever, uh, Ubisoft, Quebec, or wherever the, the studio's from, they're, they were listening. They knew what we wanted from an Assassin's Creed game. Like, we're going we're gonna to do this for them. Yeah, definitely looking also forward to see, hearing your thoughts on the Assassin's Creed. It's been hard for me to get back into the series since Black Flag, because I thought Black Flag was a high water mark for the series. Yeah. yeah, it just it's just the the thrill of what you could do outside of just going ahead and looking for your target and jumping down or jumping into a hay bale. You know, this was something much more the ships and and as far as that was concerned, that part of it, it was like uh, you know the the Sea of Thieves and Assassin's Creed had a baby and there you go. And that was just something I thought at that point in time back in what 2013, 2012. Uh, maybe a little bit earlier. Was yeah, it? whenever the Xbox One release, I was 2013, like, 2013, 2014, in that range. Release titles for yes. it. yeah. So that was that was the high watermark for the series. Yeah. Oh my my gosh, that was an amazing game. Like Odyssey was all right, but like Assassin's Creed Black Flag is hands down. Like I would look at that as being like a a an essential Assassin's Creed experience. They're actually, uh, from what I understand, there's rumors that they're gonna remaster it or remake it for modern consoles. So a good excuse to go out and play it again but yeah i don't know there's just something about the character and the setting like everything just came together perfectly for that game everything's being remastered and when you when you hear that you know after the layoffs in regards to the uh, last of us multiplayer and but you, you hear a last of us 2 remaster game coming out for a game that's what five years old i think they did the same thing though with uh the remake of the last of us like nobody yeah. wanted that it's it's they remastered the remake of the actual original last of us yeah, yeah. and they're like we're remaking we're in the process of remaking the last of us part two which literally just came out like two years ago yeah, absolutely so <laughs> it's so funny how the way the video game industry is but uh, i do want to go ahead before we head on out my friend Lies of P, if you have an Xbox, even if you got a PlayStation 5 and PC, Lies of P, right now, Xbox Series X and Xbox uh, Xbox One. There's actually a hard copy, but it's also on Games Pass, my friend. I know they were asking the chat about the layoffs, about, you know, the other game studios that could be, lay, you know, as far as could be suffering a layoff. If people do not get into Lies of P, this is a really solidly reviewed game. But still, it has a tenuous future. So please play it on Xbox Games Pass. Yeah, I downloaded it. I just haven't had a chance to sit down with it. You know, looking at the the layoff, the sorry layoffs though. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that this has more to do with the fact that these developers are so greedy for our time? You know, making these 160 hour games. Like some some people only get to play like one or two games a year. Whereas, you know, back with, uh, you know, PlayStation 1 and Nintendo 64 and all that, like, you, you, you know, you probably played 10 to 15 games a year. Do you think that that has anything to do with, like, the, the issues that the gaming industry is facing? Or do you think it's just, like, 
mixture of the economy and the them overestimating what gamers want do you think there's more what do you think is the cause of it well i think also it's it's part of it's the economy just the way it is but the fact is you have to go ahead in order to make there's there's no double a games there's no mid-level games anymore a game like lies of p is probably the closest that you'll see to a mid-level game because it came out with uh, Neowitz Games and Round 8 Studio. These are, this is a developer and publisher that's not large enough to do these things where they can go ahead and release it, mass release it, and, and going to have a triple A AAA following. They had to go ahead and put it on Games Pass in order to guarantee a certain amount of money coming in because it's not, a, it's not a large enough studio to go ahead and support itself. But it is a very good, highly rated Souls-like game. But if it's not played by everyone out there, it will actually die, and that that just takes away from one of those mid-tier developers that hasn't been bought out, and it's just another failure story because you either have the indies right now or you have the big AAA developers simply because the costs are so inordinate now of creating it. If you do not have a hit, your time is very limited. Yeah, it's, well, it's one of those big risk, big reward situations or you know, big risk, no reward, in which case you end up having to lay off your team so it's video game making a video game is is it's such a big gamble these days i hope people care about liza p please go ahead and give it a chance all you xbox and pc gamers out there please let us know your thoughts if you think this is really a good souls like game popculturecosmos at yahoo.com devotion has the last question are movie studios suffering similar layoffs like the video game industry your thoughts my friend on this before we head on out your thoughts on the movie industry suffering the same fate as what we're seeing in the video game market? Though they seem different, it's, it's all connected. It's all kind of the same, the same politics, the same, um, you know, studios. Uh, look, look at like, um, you know, what was it? Warner Brother Games, you know, they're still controlled by Warner Brother Studios. I think everything directly affects the, you know, everything else in the entertainment industry. And with video games especially like look at that they're they're talking about having a vo a voice actor strike like there's there's yep. whisperings of a voice actor strike and you know they're seeing what's going on with the actor strike and the writers striked and they're saying okay well maybe we can get what we want by doing the same thing and if the voice actor strike happens we are going to truly see a a lack of video games coming out for a very long time so uh i hope that doesn't happen but it's seems like it 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 has had an a direct influence on the video game industry so my friend it's been a great episode and i've got a little tidbit before we head on out my friend but before we do it's time for you to pitch what's going on with happy hoarder collectibles.com okay so happy hoarder collectibles.com we got uh we got a lot of funko pops lord of the rings a lot of new things coming in I got to get that website updated and I'll have some more pre-order forms up there for some new stuff coming out. Uh, let's see. We got some new Pokemon cards coming in. We got the Japanese Raging Surf arriving at some points. I know the Paradox Rift, Paradox Rift set is coming out here at some points. Um, we are going to be doing a Comic-Con in December and it's supposed to have like the entire cast of One Piece is going to be there. So if you're out in Texas, definitely check out the Elite Comic-Con. We'll be at uh, some Oktoberfest events here in the next couple weeks. But yeah, definitely keep checking us out. Follow us on Instagram and uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, to answer Lifted's question, how many movie studios are also own video game developers? Not too many. Warner Brothers is also the other one, but there's kind of 
shaky right now. I'll depend. A lot of it's dependent on what will happen with Mortal Kombat. Uh, I do know Sony, of course. Uh, Microsoft has gotten into it before as far as created movie studios, but they kind of ditched that, uh, you know, out shortly after developing it. Uh, so they usually for their stuff, like for instance, the Halo series, they just let it, you know, Paramount take over on that end as far as develop that series. Nintendo, uh, I think, tried to get into it a little bit themselves, but I think after the lack of success of the original Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers movie, they kind of, you know, decided let's just go ahead and work with people. So they worked with Universal to create the hit of Super Mario Brothers this year. But yeah, definitely uh, Warner Brothers and Sony at this point in time as far as movie studios and the video game developers and publishers that they are. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to go ahead and mention the little tidbit before we head on out, because you and I love our fast food. Uh, BK's Ghost Pepper Burger, which is very popular in the past, that was brought back. But also the big news, and it's not just the sweet and sour sauce at McDonald's to commemorate Loki, is the fact that, guess what's coming back in November, my friend? Huh. A, a, the McRib, which was thought to be dead, which they announced was dead, which they insinuated was dead. It ain't so dead after all. McDonald's is very smart in their marketing strategies. I always tell people, especially in collectibles, like you slap a limited time sticker on there, say like, hey, they're not going to make this anymore. People will be like, oh, I'll buy five of them. So they've been very clever with their marketing, saying that I don't think they ever had any intention on not selling the McRib anymore. They were just trying to create the hype for it, create the demand, get people to long for it. And then when they launch it again, boom, they've made millions of dollars off hungry customers. And we will be two of those hungry customers come November for that. Any last thoughts before we head on out? No, not that I can think of. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to talking some Halloween movies. That'll be fun. And uh yes. And Halloween costumes yeah. next week. What's trending in Halloween costumes? If you haven't shopped for it yet, shop for your Halloween costume Get now. And and lifted. I unfortunately we don't have. I'm out in Texas and we don't have any. Hardies now. No, we. I mean, yes, there are Hardies out here, but we don't have like in my area the closest Hardies to me is about 60 miles, so I don't really get to eat there anymore. Uh, Carl's is pretty solid with me, although it gets in today's marketplace. Uh, Carl's is. Unfortunately, you know, there are a number of uh, in and outs, Raising Cane's. There are a number of places, uh, Chick-fil-A, that seemingly are have taken over the marketplace from spots like Carl's Jr. But yeah, still like a Carl's Jr. every now and then. Endorphin says the celebrity meals that McDonald's has used recently was genius, but I wonder how effective it was. I know it spikes short-term sales for them, depending on the star that endorses it. But you see them not doing it right now, so I think they're more focused on preventing promoting the McRib coming November. Jersey Mike's, yes, can't go wrong with Jersey Mike's. Popeyes is your thing, Southern Comfort. Well, Popeyes, remember when they came out with the chicken sandwich? That was all the rage, my friend. But unfortunately, it's pretty much gone by the wayside, and they're just another place now. I have never actually I have I've eaten at Popeye's once and I keep meaning to like go back to it and see if I like it. But uh, we got so many chicken places out here. It's hard to to pick one. Yeah, I hear you, my friend. The fast food wars continue and we'll always keep you updated right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh the Great, a.k.a. Josh Peterson, it's Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop culture cosmos 
We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.